Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtra.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hits 2023 is being held in Scottsdale, Arizona. I hear they have a, at the hotel, they have like this super high-end shopping outside. And I think you can go surfing in the desert, which I'm super looking forward to. Anyway, Scottsdale, Arizona. August 15th to the 18th. So hurry up and register now to save a spot and make sure you get a room. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild they'll come bring it to your place set it down on your pad hook up your power hook up your water and you can put dogs in it that day if you don't believe me check out some guys like uh, justin rigney's got a great setup there ask him check him out horizonstructures.com all right working dog radio broadcasting the bite i am ted summers from tulsa oklahoma as always uh with me from canton ohio is eric sambro eric what's up uh just finished a handler's course uh, a couple fridays ago or last i don't remember but so now right now i don't really have anything going on at the uh fun house so i'm just bugging the crap out of my uh pet trainers and um running reps and running dogs and kind of picking it back up you know, helping out and stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool. You know, I haven't, got, I don't get to touch as many leashes as I would like to these days, but uh, it's been, it was good. It's, I've been doing a lot and um, that's it, man. Really just staying busy. How about yourself? Kind of the same thing. We, uh, I finished that handler school and I actually have a gap of about uh, three, four weeks for my next one start. Well, from when that went into the next one, next one starts on the 24th. So it's just two weeks from, last week or last Monday. So, um, I got a little bit of time, but I'm finishing up these green dogs. Uh, I'm driving to Houston on Thursday or two days from today to pick up uh, a bunch of green dogs from Europe, bring them back and start the process for my September, October school. So I'm going to do September, October, and then, uh, November, December. And those will be my last schools of the year, but the rest of them are full. So cool. Yeah. I got yeah. some, um, Seminars coming up for my e-collar.conflict for working dogs. I'm doing one in North Carolina. I'm supposed to do one in uh, Wisconsin uh, in August. Not sure how the numbers are working on that, but uh, I'll I'll open back up and start doing them. I think I'm gonna do them a lot in the winter. I'll do another one at the Fun House. Um, but did you do a supervisor class or something just recently, or gonna do one? Uh, I was going to, and I moved it to um, October or November. Um, we didn't have enough time to get it set up. and um, But, yeah, I'm doing one in October, October, November, somewhere in there. I have to get the dates nailed down. But, yeah, I was working on it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember. Um, 
what was happening. Um, there's something else I was going to ask you, and I completely drawn a blank. But um, so uh, tonight's guest. So we we ha- have some uh, females on here before uh, trainers, decoys, uh, scientists, all, all, all kinds of different, and most of them we don't know or kind of ancillary know you know uh, like we had janet baker on and ever we had heard of her of course and we didn't know her and the episode was great um we've had some other decoys on that we didn't know uh we'd heard of and um those were those were good episodes but it's been you know requested that we have somebody on who is a female and a decoy and um so we're like, oh, well, we know immediately who we're going to have. Uh, <laughs> and, and she has a pretty great accent. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to introduce our friend, Eloise Yeomans. How are you, Eloise? I'm doing really, really well. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I'm sorry that you guys do know me. That <laughs> could sometimes be an issue. So yeah. for everybody listening, um, this is not the canine version of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. But Eloise, where the fuck are you from? <laughs> So I'm actually from a little town called Watford. It's North London, pretty much. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, and I moved over here eight years ago. I say here, Tennessee, of all places. Um, and now I'm just hanging here with all of you guys, just blending in like the little red coat I am. So uh, for those listening, like Eloise is one of our decoys and one of our decoy instructors for um, at HRD. Um, and I swear to God, like every time I see you in person for like the first five minutes, I'm like, I kind of look at you and I'm like, I'm trying to read your lips. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you saying? I feel like Burt Reynolds. I'm like, you people invented the English language. You can't speak it. Like, what the fuck? So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally, I just watch people's faces and I can see them like, uh, it looks like they're having a seizure. <laughs> really fun from my end, of course. And then I have to come back and slow down. And put on a little country accent and they start to understand so it's a it's a work in progress the british country accent excellent oh, <laughs> yeah. it sounds australian apparently i don't know <laughs> so just to explain some things to you guys that are listening so uh we met eloise a long time ago and she has come to uh hrd seminars she has worked with me uh several times at uh in indiana at a function and some other things she's done with us and uh, some other um, police canine dogs that we deal with. And when I say we know Eloise and Eloise works a lot with us, she, I'm telling you right now, she is one of the people that um, once she puts the suit on, if she's going to work the dog, I tell the guys. And, it's, you know, it's a weird thing with guys sometimes. I say, listen to what Eloise tells you. I'm leaving. I don't need to be standing here. I'm not worried about it. Uh, Eloise has caught more dogs than most people in decoying will ever do. Very safe, very knowledgeable. Um, we've threw some monsters on her in the past. Um, some real shitty, I mean, real heavy fucking dogs. And also some, you know, weaker dogs where she's had to do some of that decoy magic to really bring out a lot in them. So she's one of the people that we use that Ted and I explicitly trust. Like, I, I don't have to worry about anything. And for us to tell a bunch of you know type a dudes hey listen to this lady here and when she tells you something she's right and she's got a good teaching style she doesn't scream at them she tells them you know she can be a she gets she gets to be a little snarky if she wants to because of her accent um if she calls you a, a right cunt that's you know actually good if she calls you that so 
It's uh, it's actually a cheeky cunt. Cheeky cunt is usually. I think right cunt is Australian. Cheeky cunt. Yeah, exactly. Endearing, endearing term. Yeah. My favorite story is we were at an HRD and I remember the hell we were. Anyway, one of the handlers comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, my dog bites hard." I'm like, "Oh, okay. I'm sure he does. They all bite hard. Like, whatever." He's like, "No, seriously." He says, "You know, nobody wants to work this dog in the training group, and so." You know, because one of the things we talk about is like having long bites. You know exactly which one I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, and uh, do. the dog's name is Dono. <laughs> and it turns out it's short for don't nobody want to get bit because he was a fucking donkey. So um, the first day you put like a you just we just did a bicep bite and let you sit there getting just pummeled for like, oh, like yeah. 10 minutes. That, that, was... that dog, I think that dog weighed more than me. That dog was fucking massive. He might have. Him and his handler, they were fucking. Huge. Well, that dude played professional football too. I can't remember which team did he play for, Eric? Didn't he play for like the Jacksonville? Or no, who the fuck did he play? I for? I can't remember who he said he played for. Was that super nice guy? Was that Memphis? Yeah. Was that Memphis? Yeah, that, that was, was Memphis. Memphis yeah. yeah, he's also yeah. the one he, uh... where we did the kidnapper van, and we realized that it's oh, a good thing the driver had a bicycle. yeah because the dog bit both of them at the same time. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about. Yes, the dog bit two people at the same time because they had. If you're watching YouTube, you can see my arm like out the side. Like they had their like just look over, and the dog ended up biting both the decoy and the driver at the same time. Which is pretty interesting. Clearly, it's a big fucking dog. But uh, yeah, (laughs) and I was like, I got to see how hard this dog bites. So I just put the hidden sleeve on, and and I he that that was a hard biting dog. (laughs) That was rough. That was a nice dog. So Eloise, like one of those, uh... what we like to do in the first segment is talk about like where you're from. Tell us again where you grew up, kind of what childhood was like, how how you got here, and how you got to dogs. All right, so um, I don't have a childhood like everybody that always comes on to you know uh, working fields and stuff. Like that. I had nothing to do with dogs when I was younger. My mum could not stand dogs actually. In fact, so I tried to make any kind of animal I could find a dog. <laughs> Our old Siamese cat, if it was alive right now, it would tell you about how much I wanted to make that fucking thing a dog because I wanted a dog so bad. Um, but anyhow, when parents got divorced, things like that, you know, had pretty chaotic childhood. We've got two older sisters that are a nightmare also, but we're all very close. Um, went away, uh, moved out when I was about 16 years old, went into the military for a short stint, which I say a short stint because it just it wasn't for me. And with that, and I'll kind of let people know here is that Back in Britain, women still aren't allowed on the front line. Like, that's like a no. Here, they're like, hey, you can fucking you can do what you want here as a woman, you know, in some aspects. But back there, they're not allowed on the front line. So me going in, I wanted to be an ammunition technician and go into the EOD. I soon realized and figured out that everybody holding those positions is not a female. And I didn't want to wait around forever to get my kind of shot to be kind of in, in that area. You know, you don't want to train for something all of your life and not be able to use those skills, you know, however bad it is. So got out of there. I actually went to London Fire Brigade, did an open day there. Uh, they then cut their budget, cut all their funding. And so I came out of the military and I had nothing. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So I actually did door sales, fucking door sales of all things. You can imagine me turning up somebody's door, right? And the problem is I'm a people pleaser, sit down there with old little Julie in our house, drinking a cup of fucking tea when I'm supposed to be out knocking doors and shit like that because I'm too nice and won't just say... Fucking, I've got to move on, old lady. Uh, so that was, that was kind of my deal there. But when I made it into the fire department, because 
Over in England, it's a lot harder, right? There's not as many jobs going, you know, axing frontline staff. So when I went for a job, my first, first job I went for, there was like 10,000 applicants. And I was like, fuck, no amount of equality bullshit is going to help you there. Like, it, it don't, right? But I finally found my way in through the doorstep there and I got into the fire department and I just retired this past year. So it'd be about, about 10 years in. Fire department. I know everybody's like, oh, you're retired kind of thing. Dogs. They take over your life, it all takes over your business, and you don't have time for anything else, and it was, it was hurting both ends of the scale there. So, um, but with the fire department, I ended up getting into accelerant detection with one of my own dogs that is probably on her last legs now. Um, but that's how I kind of made my way in. When I came over to America eight years ago, accelerant training and accelerant dogs, that wasn't just the job of the fire department. And I was like, what? what do you mean police officers are going around and they're, you know, with accelerant dogs? I just didn't ever hear of it. I was like, that just seems like really silly, right? Um, but so I ended up meeting up with a couple of those guys who did some training together and they said, hey, you want to throw on a bite suit and do this and that, which I'd seen, you know, dogs from in the military, but that was a hard sleeve running down the field and it was just a chance for everybody to fucking laugh at you, right? Uh, everybody's got that story. Always a chance for them to laugh at you. So when they told me to throw on a suit and I got into that, I said, hmm, hang on a second. Like, everybody knows this feeling. They go, hang on a second. I fucking, I feel like, like this is actually something that, that I could pursue here. <clears throat> and uh, fortunately, they're great mentors along the way. You two are great mentors of mine. Um, and it's allowed me to do it now to, to the point where I've got into training dogs, uh, now have my own business. Now have some other adventures that are overseas now that I'm really fortunate to have, and now I am where I am. But there's been a lot of dogs in between here and then now, so it's it's. I hope there's many, many more. You know, I, I'm still way far behind from being a senior, senior gent, uh, gent. Fuck me, man. <laughs> Changing my own gender on here now. Senior person, should I say? <laughs> but um, God, I'm not good with words right there, am I? But uh, I'm a long way from being where uh, many of my mentors are, and I just hope to keep on going, really. hope that kind of explains that one. So back in the day when I was at the police department, the chief called me one day, and he's like, hey, the fire department, the fire chief called me. You think you could, do, you could teach an accelerant dog? And I was like, I've never done one, but, uh, you know, odor's odor, is if people have said. I said, I, I could probably figure it out. Let me do some research. And I contacted a buddy of ours who works for the state fire marshal's office, and he goes, yeah, don't fucking do it, dude. He goes, don't do it. He says, State Farm Insurance has gives away free dog, accelerant dogs and free training. And then I think they're maybe in Alabama or Georgia. And then there's another one, in, I think, in Maine, one of the other insurance companies does. He goes, you, yep. you have to become a scientist. You have to understand what things are made of. The dogs can't eat out of certain bowls, and they got to do the food thing. And they get, He goes, don't fuck with it. Just... Um, let them go down and get a free dog from State Farm and go to school, and then you won't have to deal with it. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'll, I'll, I don't want it to be a huge pain in the ass. Did you find it was uh, kind of a pain in the ass, or was it what you expected? Well, I dare say over there, um, over in Britain at least, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. public service. Everybody here seems to have like a whole they have their own kind of district and it's theirs and they don't really share too much over there everything's very much nationalized like 
um, my fire truck, I go several counties over and they've got the same gear on there. They've got the same load of training. They call everything the same thing. I got here and so many people call things so many different things. I'm like, fucking what is that? What the fuck are you saying? Yonder? What is this fucking word yonder? <laughs> it just baffles me. So I think the hardest thing was terminology um, as opposed to anything else. But the whole system is, is totally different. Like uh, the fire department pretty much operates everything. And then you've got, of course, the government officials that are over that. And here it can be, you know, a small little town fire department and, and a cop. That's all a part of the whole process. And it just, it's, everybody is doing something different sometimes. And like you said, State Farm owns it. They really do. They've got a very good program, honestly. Pay for everything. Isn't it like, I'm trying to remember how many odors there are too. There's like 30 fucking odors that are unburned. And then you've got to have those burned as well. So it's like 60 fucking, something ridiculous. With, yes. It's a shit ton. When I saw, like I thought Oconus dogs. Like a Conus explosive dogs had a lot. It was like 21 or 27 odors or whatever it is. And then I saw that. It was like 60 yeah. fucking odors. I'm like, are you shitting me? And I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's a whole fucking lot. And then keeping those separate and the order you do it in and all that shit. I've been like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and then I heard about the, the State Farm yeah. thing too. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no good. I'm good. Honestly, unless you want to do it for yourself or your own little department, it's a volunteer department, something like that. That's, that's kind of where I use my, my dog coming over here. Um, there really isn't a sense of going through all of that, just to constantly be having to answer everybody's, oh, well, how do you know the dog's this? Or how do you know? It's just constant headache, right? Because uh, nobody knows anything about it that you're involved with when you're with a little department. Um, they're just this dog. Yeah, we haven't had any selling dogs on, uh, dog handlers on, or dogs. They they told us no. Also, okay. um, there's a lot. There's a lot of health concern, isn't there? Though as well, yeah. there's a lot of risks with it. What is the um? But... So was, real quick, uh, I'll, I'll ask you about the the actual work. But uh, were you guys were you a food reward? Uh, yes, starting out food reward, and then we did go to a ball. However, in that environment, just like many others, uh, you you can't just go ahead and, and sell for that one reward because it's not something that you're going to get in a real-life environment. And you can't even do it in a training environment because sometimes you're around burnt shit and you're using buildings that have been caved down and stuff. There's nails popping out of everywhere. The biggest thing, you know, is, is those dangers right there. As soon as they kick up those particles, it's very difficult to get a lot of real-life training scenarios in there. So, um, yeah. yeah, and what I find, too, is in the situation where the dog has to eat through work all the time, every meal, um, a, lot of guys, a lot of human beings are just lazy. And they, yes. so they either cheat that, don't feed them, which is a thing, or... Um, no. The one guy I know, he just he would just do quick little obedience routines. That was his little kind of workaround. Get the dog to you know come to him or sit or whatever. Um, yeah. That would be that just seemed like a pain in the ass. Um, so what what is like with an accelerant dog? What is kind of the search pattern look like? Are you trying to? Is it one where you're trying to work in a certain grid or I I don't know how does the does the fire department or the arson investigators kind of have a certain way they want you to do it? So I was taught a grid pattern, so it makes it a little bit easier for the dog, of course, because they've only got so long in there with you. Um, and typically they'll still add another dog to the search if they have it, just to kind of confirm kind of an area, because you want to take samples, of course. So whatever takes us two days to sift through, dog can essentially kind of butter it down to an area 
right? It's not never, and that's where it kind of changes because you've still got a little bit of paralyzation, all that odor is kicking up on the floor, which makes it difficult again, right, for them to really nail it down. So sometimes you're not getting to an exact source, but you're trying to find a sample size about this kind of area here, right, four by four or so. Uh, but we did train a grid pattern, right, so that we don't miss anything because there are a lot of particles flying around at one time with people stamping all the way through that stuff. Oh, yeah, and they're stamping before you get there, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fiddle fucking everything up. Around. Firemen, same as cops. Yeah. It don't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk to Eloise about um, being a female decoy, what she sees uh, in the dogs. We're going to talk about uh, something that we came across um, during HRDs with uh, muzzle work with with. Uh, female decoys and uh kind of kind of threw us off a little bit and uh it's changed a little bit about the way we do some training so stick around and we will be right back all right one of the largest conferences in the country uh hits canine training conference it's america's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and eric all covering important topics there is no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, trainers, and vendors. HITS 2023 is being held in Scottsdale, Arizona. I hear they have a, at the hotel, they have like this super high-end shopping outside. And I think you can go surfing in the desert, which I'm super looking forward to. Anyway, Scottsdale, Arizona, August 15th to the 18th. So hurry up and register now to save a spot and make sure you get a room. We'll see everybody there. Largest law enforcement training conference in the world. Tons of training classes. Lots of training topics for everybody and everything. Hours included and more network opportunities. Be sure to hit up Jeff Barrett at 863-529-5113, hits canine, letter K number nine dot net, and at hits underscore canine and all of your socials. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level, better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they consider to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're they're amazing folks. Kineticdogfood.com. So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars. Different cars, man. Dodge Chargers, all the Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American Aluminum Accessories. Um, it's a great product, a great company. They've been serving uh, canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. 
If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's the letter Z, EZRiderOnline.com. They got testimonials. They got videos on how to. They got a list of everything they have. Uh, just today, we made a post on the Working Dog Radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys. EZRiderOnline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to tactical police canine training, that's letter K number nine training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, everybody, we are back working dog radio broadcasting the bite. Ted, is that easy E on your shirt? It is, and he's holding a skateboard. Show it up. It's it's just a little low. Let me see it. Nice. I can't believe I did not notice that during the intro part. I would have been like, whoa, whoa what's <laughs> Yes, it is easy. It's a asphalt. It's a skateboard brand. <laughs> That's pretty. Is is that a? Did they Photoshop the skateboard in there? Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. Yes. Yeah. He's probably holding yeah. got a dog or something. Who knows? So yeah. So we're here with our our guest Eloise Yeomans, um, one of my favorite people in all of canine. Uh, spent, we've spent a lot of time together. I really enjoy it. A lot of working time, off working time. Um, we've kind of uh, got. I don't know. We've we just run into each other and all over the place. And she's always got her suit. And um, like I said, it's it's nice when I'm. So like in Indiana, when, a couple of years that I taught there, the group that they put me with, I have police canine handlers and we have um, uh, search and rescue people. And then even a couple of people have a little sport dog with them. Well, I, I got to set up 900 things. But what I don't have to set up and worry about is the decoy part with the police dogs with Eloise. You guys go do it. I know she knows what she's doing. And it's always super helpful. And, you know, I love you. So. I love having you around at all times, um, and you just do solid work. Um, I know some people that down in Tennessee are, have been very lucky to get to work with you. Uh, I've seen the product that you've helped them produce, and it's uh, our buddy Jason, our mutual friend. His dogs come out really nice, and a lot of that is credit to you and your and your work. Um, so, you get that bite suit on the first time. Was it like, oh, this is something? This is something I like. Honestly, I I expected it to hurt more. <laughs> I expected it to hurt a whole lot more, and I expected it to be like, because you see fucking people, it's they're like ah, crying a bitch in a moment and stuff like that. But they're just being pussies. I mean, it doesn't hurt that much in in that sense anyway. If you're set up for success, if you don't have an asshole, which luckily I had good mentors, right? They weren't just setting me up to to look an ass. Um, but yeah, it just it, it made me feel at home immediately. Honestly, that's great. So, um, 
her her bite suit has the uh, what 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 do they call that? What's the British? Union Jack? Union Jack. That's it. Got the Union Jack on Fuck the back of it. Hell, you don't even know what it's called. I, I know. I have Christ. a brain problem. I hope no British people no. fucking listen to this because they're gonna say Who's this that motherfucker. Don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, the, the British still know motherfucker, so they can. That thing yeah. has got to be on its last leg, though, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've got to definitely get some things. Uh, <laughs> well, there's some spots there that I'm like, I can see it, and I'm like, please, please do not punch him right there, because <laughs> otherwise it's going to be a really sore spot. But I did just buy a, a new suit with Barbados colors and a new suit that's all hidden, which I haven't used yet. I'm saving that one for old, for old Howard and Shelby, because I think his dogs would love to see that. I see you. Honestly. I see you're wearing the white beard shirt. Representing. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So Ted, your um, your suit at times looks like it's a, like a torn hoodie that you got at uh, the thrift store. Um. So yeah, the suit, the one that you're talking about, is my third suit, um, and it's like my whoopee. Um, I send it back to Arnaud about every. 18 months to two years to have new sleeves put on it. When you get to the point where um, I'll get dogs bite me like on the elbow or on the outside and like my pinky and my, my ring finger start going to sleep or you get the big ones that bite super hard and like you make so hard, you like hand makes a claw and yeah. you can't, you, then I'm like, all right, I got to send it back. Um, and then I had him put new straps on the pants. And so I just, and it fits so well and he's made me, Three or four since then um, that I have at the kennel that I that my guys use, um, they're just not as broken in and it's not as thin and like and he sends us stuff sometimes that he like takes a prototype with so like he tried a new like uh, cuff thing design mm-hmm. like a shoulder design that was that I don't know if he ended up doing or not so we have a couple that are like one off like weird things but yeah i always go back to my whoopee and that's the suit like every time i wear that thing during handler schools or like during training days or whatever people see that and they're like what are you wearing like it's my bite suit and all my handlers are like just they just kind of shake their head they're like it'd be fine and all my trainers like georgie and Jaden and jacob and everybody are like nah they all have their own suits they're like i'm not wearing his like (laughs) it's definitely thin (laughs) what i want you to do is i want you to get because he's making a lot of um of uh comp like torso and then semi comp sleeves that's what my yes. suit he made for me is i want you to get one that looks like a flannel shirt that buttons real high <laughs> and all the way up and then and then actually have you know your your comp or your semi comp sleeves and and see if you if we can't make you look like uh like you're taking a photo in prison that would be pretty funny i think <laughs> I could probably he could probably he could probably do that. He made one about five or six years ago that looked like a pinstripe suit with a tie on it. You remember that one? I had like a green tie. Yeah, he it looked like a pinstripe suit. It looked like a super nice pinstripe suit with a green tie. I can he can ask him. I can make him have him make me one that's like flannel, like plaid. That'd be great. That'd be great. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. Gonna have to hold you to that. I've got to say that. I just show up at a training day and that people look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Hey, Holmes. Um, <laughs> so so the fucking socks pulled up high <laughs> yeah. so it's it's Whoa. difficult for civilians to break into decoying for um law enforcement uh what's let's talk about the i guess you, you weren't a civilian you were 
at the fire department, so maybe you had a little bit more of an edge there. But the the female side of it, and where was the moment that you can remember where you're like these guys now are like they've bought in. They know I know what I'm doing. Well, you talk about the, the fire department side of it, so there's always a little bit of humour in there between firefighters and police officers. We sit on our fucking recliners, you know, you sit in your cop car and sleep, you know, there's always a little bit of humour between us. But really when it made sense to me is when I could start showing myself, and that's, that's massive for everything. As soon as you can start showing your work and you're confident in it and you get to a point of experience, so it was probably a good, probably a good solid uh, three or four HRDs where I actually felt more in myself confident honestly that i felt like all right what i'm what i'm capable of now is actually speaking to them and helping them right as opposed to just being somebody here catching dogs and stuff and from that point on people would start to come to me and ask you know hey you know how did my dog do here and stuff like that and they wanted your feedback it's, i think it's very important especially when it comes to law enforcement and when you are a civilian is waiting for that moment that they click and they ask for your feedback instead of just trying to jam it down their throats because, well, cops can't jam anything down their throats, right? Uh, so no pun intended. But, uh, yeah, you just have to, you, you have to be humorful, be light on your feet. Don't, don't, try to, don't try to man your way in there. Just be a human being and just wait for them to kind of come to you a little bit and just do good work. That's the, probably a couple of, two or three HRDs in, plenty of dogs then in, right? Um, I felt a, a bit of a significant change, but I think that was more to do with me feeling better about myself as well, being in that role too. What was the first HRD you work? I can't remember. It was at Howard's. Oh, I wasn't Howard, even there. Shelby. Oh, Shelby. No, you, I didn't. No, I didn't meet you till later. And I guess I'll tell you why. I remember that because when I met you, I thought that guy's a fucking arsehole. Like, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure everybody probably says the same thing. I was like. He's an arsehole. Like, what is he? He's just like, of course, I met you back then, right? You were still a little bit hot and heavy. Mm. Then I got to actually talk to you and getting to know you and stuff, and you just watch. You never say anything. You just watch for a bit, right? And you put, put input there where it was put. And it took me a little bit while to break your seal, right? I'll say that in the most non-sexual way, to break your seal. Right. Uh, and then as soon as I started to actually realize actually where that comes from, where all of that not what some people would see as nasty or mean or pussies anyway right but what they would see that as is actually coming from a place of experience coming from a place of you've been there and you've made those mistakes and you're not afraid to talk about them that's important so but yeah you went there for the first one that was shelby yeah that's when there's that, howard and everybody it's funny because i was going to ask you what do you think of me because i fucking know the answer so. i i always tell the joke fuck. that i eric handles things by yelling and i handle things by making fun of people yes, <laughs> yes. so that is, that's a duo i'm way less yelly now these days <laughs> i still make fun of people uh, yeah i still cuss a lot but yeah when i met you see that that tattoo of that angry person that was me a hundred percent um yeah but we uh we got along we got along good one of my i'm trying to remember where it was where i realized that um i could walk away like you knew the scenarios you knew the the desire what we were looking for i it may have even been the uh the first day after grip checks where we had them where you were seated remember all all those where we they come in and bite the seated i always used you for that oh, yeah. because those were sketchy as shit and 
but you could give feedback and, and those always cause a little bit of problems. But I think at some point I got to where I could just go stand outside next dog and just do that. And once, once I knew that with you, that I was comfortable walking away, um, cause Ted and I, it ended up being us all the talking all the time decoy. Hey, well, how's that feel? Well, yeah, he's not really punching. He's not pulling, you know, that thing. But I, Ted and I both probably got to a point pretty pretty around the same time we're like okay Eloise has got that and I think I think we even used you a couple times to run some stations that you weren't even in the bite suit yeah um I think sometimes we did take that leap when we had enough decoys and stuff and it was just because I've been with guys so long I knew all the scenarios so I was like all right I know how this is supposed to look right and I know what's good feedback for the handlers and I understand from a decoy point of view how to keep yourself safe, because you'll hear me if anybody's ever heard me anywhere. I'm oh, always going, hands, yeah, fucking hands, yeah. <laughs> your fucking hands, you stupid cunt, your hands. That's the name of this episode. You want to jack off? Hands, you fucking <laughs> cunt. Again. You can't put that on the. All right, we can hands, we can put the little hands. like asterisks. <laughs> they could. It's true. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> There you go, Sue. So. You brought yeah. her in, Ted. How, how did you meet Eloise? I can't remember. Oh, shit, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Alicia and I somehow. And where the hell the fuck did we meet? I don't even remember. And yeah. I don't even remember. Or did you but meet yeah. Howard? Did Howard pull her up for yeah, Shelby? It, it, it was Howard's, right? It was Howard's. But what happened after that? Fuck me, man. Fucking, my memory's going to shit. I feel like fucking Dory out of finding Nemo. Yeah, no. I just spin I, around. I just remember at I, I remember Ray and I talking at HRD or in, at Shelby, and we were. I was like, Eloise is a fucking monster. I was like, I don't need to tell her shit. And because I, you know, and some of the other scenarios required a little more babysitting. <clears throat> so the ones that required more babysitting, like I had you on, so that I could babysit handlers or that I could you know do my job. And not have to fucking tell you how to do yours. And um, so, yeah, I started immediately using you for scenarios that I knew were fucking, yeah. were fucking squirrely. And I'm like, here's what I need done. And you're like, got it. And I'm like, and I don't you know, have to fucking say anything thing... else. And we were good. I was like, eh, it's all I had to yeah. say once. The best thing with you, Ted, that I can always remember would be your little giggles, man. He'd like be, I didn't even see Ted, right? He'd just be sending in hands like, all right, next one up, all right, next one up, next one up. And I'd hear, like, as soon as I get here, I'd go, fucking hell, that's a monster. Go, hee, hee. <laughs> just from in the background exactly. somewhere. In the dark, you can't even see him like some right. weird little imp. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice when you can laugh and not be like, oh, one minute, are you actually fucked up in there or something? Do I have to do something? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm usually <laughs> the one that's like, you're fine, you're not going to die. Yeah, uh, or it's yeah. it's fine. In fact, I'm getting that tattooed on my knuckles. It's going to say it's fine because yeah. I say that all the time. My handler or my decoys at work are at the kennel now. They get fucking smashed by some of our dogs, and they're in there crying about it. I'm like, you're not going to die. You got a bite suit on. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And I, I say to everything, you'll be all right. <laughs> to all the time, people complain, you'll be okay. I said it to a guy driving slow on his motorcycle, and he, I was a little I was a little close to him, but he's doing 14 miles an hour. He turned and looked at me and go, you'll be okay. Speed the fuck up. So, oh, yes. But El- Eloise uh, worked with us enough, and, and this is what I really like is that, so like when we were in Indiana, I could just look at her, and she looks at me, and we don't, she knows what I want, and I know that she'll do, she can do it. So maybe we say, hey, w- what problems are you having? And the guy says, Some, whatever, whatever the problem is. And I just look at her, and she knows what to do to, you know, so that she can step in and handle it. Um, 
So that's great. And that, that comes from not just reps, but it comes from, you know, kind of understanding, uh, well, not kind of a lot of understanding of dog behavior and what we're looking for in human behavior and stuff like that. So that's kind of why we meshed really well together. Um, now let's talk about where the female decoy, where we found really can make an impact. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is muzzle work. Um, so we do a scenario, uh, the HRD does it, I do it, um, we call it the amoeba. So where they chase one decoy into a room and that decoy splits into two, meaning there's two people in the room. I got this uh, scenario from Cobra Canine when I was out in California. They did it uh, uh, with the uh, West Coast teams. Theirs was a little bit different. It was on a stairwell, but still. So what, what happens is they, they go into the room, they chase what we call the rabbit, and it's almost always men. And they chase in, and it's a muzzle scenario. When they run in, the person they were chasing is standing on the wall next to another person. You kind of cover your nuts, you know, so you don't get smashed in the groin. And they come in. They'll usually go and punch. If they're going to do it, they're going to go punch the first person they see when they turn the corner. Might not be the rabbit. Might be the rabbit. Depends. And then some dogs put on the brakes because they're confused. Some run out. Some will run around the room in avoidance and do detection and not, and not even look at the person. Some of them come in and destroy everyone in the room, which is what I really want to see. Really just want to see the dog working away from the handler and destroying any owning that room. It's your fucking room. And if anyone comes in like an instructor, you should be whooping his ass too. Uh, we were in Texas and, we had a film, a camera set up in the one room. We were watching through the window, and the camera tilted and fell over. And I ran in to fix it and fixed it and turned around and smash the dog. It fucked me up in the room. I'm like, good on you. But what we found is we started using Eloise in these scenarios is either the rabbit or the other person in the room. And, and Eloise, you want to talk about what you started seeing? Yeah, honestly, yeah, it didn't matter if, if they had literally caught me, just the, the look of me going right into the room, they would just look at me and they go on to anybody else. And sometimes they just go into pure avoidance, they just start sniffing around the room. It was just, and these were monsters. Some of these were absolute monsters. So it was a. It was yeah, I remember in Boston, uh, who was the other female decoy? Was it Allie? It were, it might have been Allie. There's three. Of we them. Had one yeah, we had we three had female decoys in Boston that were all really good. And we had all three of you in a room and dogs with short circuit. Dogs with, with legit street sweepers that that were dogs that like when they walked by I sucked myself up against the wall, would go two of them at least two of them went into the room and I mean complete failure to engage. And the handlers were like what the fuck i was like i have the same thing i was like i don't know what to tell you i mean i mean i do know what to tell you but i mean i i mean and to this day i'm not 100 percent certain like what ended up happening with that because one of my employees is uh georgie um is a great decoy and so she gets bit all the time but i just chalk it up to uh, the dogs are just not i mean it, it's something foreign to them in fact I honestly think the only interaction they had with women was probably the handler spouse or significant other. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a, like they short circuited for a second and then had a brain fart and we're like, eh, I'm going to go back and do something else. We had one come back and tag whoever's running that say, were you running that station Eric? We come back and tagged you. 
Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and um, I can't remember his name. It's good dude. He was like, he's like the one of the trainers there at Boston. Like one of these. Greg. Yeah, Greg. Him and I were working it, running it. We were both scratching our heads, like, oh, I didn't expect that. So, yeah. uh, in my opinion, I, I have no. Anytime anybody asks, I said I, I don't know. The dogs don't talk, so I, I there's some things they don't. Eloise, do you have any kind of theory on it? I don't know. I think uh, I think just like uh, you said, Ted, it's probably an exposure thing. I mean, you think most decoys are a man. I said, and I mean, you get used to hitting. Maybe we give, we definitely give off a pheromone, don't we, or something. I, I'm not scientific by any fucking means, so I say this pheromone thing or something. I'm pretty sure that that dogs know the difference, right? Uh, and if they're not used to hitting females, then it's it's going to look abnormal. And as we know. If something looks abnormal, sometimes dogs pass those things up and they're just not really sure what to do with them. But those dogs soon learn, I mean, by all means. Um, they said they just had to see it that one time and I don't think they'll pass up a female again, but it's definitely something to think about. So I know a lot of people have done the uh, scenario where I think it's a muzzle where they come in and there's a female in there. And as soon as they come in, they have the female start baby talking the dog, which will, will shut some dogs down. Now, I've tried that. Uh, I was up in Vancouver, and we had a female decoy. And she was rel- relatively new, not, not green, but she... So they make um, officers basically prospect to be canines. Like, they have to... It's like they're going into the Hells Angels. They got to put in, like, a year of decoying. Um, that poor girl, I was like, I don't know, man. I think you could probably talk about it. But she was in a suit, and... Uh, she got murdered by every single dog bicep after bicep <laughs> after bicep and she i could hear her go i oh cute dog and, and just get smashed i mean she's like yeah that was another one we tried putting her in the front putting her in the back moving everything like that and she got bit every single time so i, I think maybe the equipment kind of have you ever had any not bite you in the suit that just because of the female part yeah, hundred percent. There's been, there's definitely been a few, and that's just been me just being passive, of course. And those were dogs with good passive with a male decoy, so it definitely was a female element to it for sure. But yeah, there's been a few dogs, and they've been seasoned dogs, like you said, dogs that are already biting people. Um, so yeah. All right, we're gonna go ahead and take our next break. When we come back, I'm gonna talk to Eloise about teaching decoys. I'm gonna talk to her about some police canine stuff and kind of what like uh, opportunities exist for people women men anybody in in the dog world because um i don't know how much she can get into but she's got some really parlayed her skill set into uh some really some really good work so stick around uh check the if you skip the commercials check the show notes the discount codes are in there um we really love you guys for holding up our sponsors man we we talk to them a lot and they're like dude our discount, like Ray Allen says, our discount code is used so much they have to change it because it gets picked up by other websites. And yeah. uh, so that that's always, I always love to hear that. So anyway, stick around. We'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart and they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tactical police canine training.com. You get on there under training the online course, but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor canine supervisor course 
which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience and you, you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go, get on tacticalpolicek9training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break for just a second and talk about Dogtra, one of our favorite sponsors. Uh, Dogtra's been committed for over 20 years to crafting dog training e-collars to perfect and precise fit and finish, intuitive design, and accountable performance. The Dogtra 1900S e-collar is one of my favorites, and it demonstrates what they strive for, an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions, which I can attest to because I tear stuff up frequently. My favorite is the 1900S Black and the 1900S Hands-Free, which I use all the time. Check it out at dogtra.com. Be sure to use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. That includes the 1900 and the 1900 Black. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. The mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in quality and innovative innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport to exceed our customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they've held to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine. Not everything canine alone, guys, dogs in general. If you train dogs, if you have a dog, everything you need for dog or canine Check out Ray Allen Canine Manufacturing, rayallencanine.com. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high-quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of canine inserts. Most of every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you, if you're not even have to be in law enforcement, I have several friends that are civilians that work lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too. So you got one that fits, you can do it. Uh, they also do contraband and animal control systems, just to name a few. So be sure to hit them up. The website is easy rider online. So that's the letter E the letter Z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at alm uh, out there in, in las vegas area arno is a great dude he makes great stuff for for police work and sport work suits tugs i'm telling you right now his tugs are the best in the business you can't get any better multiple colors uh, i I buy boxes of them from them and give them out to everybody. 
uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around and everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite with Eloise Yeomans and Ted and I, of course. So um, one thing that Ted did uh, for the HRD um, decoy camps, I never had anything to do with the decoy camps, is he brought you in to help do some instruction. I tell everybody, Ted's, a, Ted's good at teaching decoys. I consider myself a really good decoy. One of the, re one of the things is, and I, I have a bad habit of it, when you come decoy for me, I will throw dog after dog after dog. So you have to speak up when you need a break because I can do 12, 13, 14 dogs in a row. I forget, right? I'm just a, a glutton for punishment, but I can't, I'm not good at teaching decoys. I, I just like, I can't teach your footwork. I, I can't, I don't know why. I mean, I can teach us on a back tie, what the dog, what the guy should be doing and everything. Um, when did you like what you what do you think makes a good decoy instructor? Good decoy instructor, I mean, you've got to have a whole lot of patience and you've got to be not just aware of your body, but aware of somebody else's. And that's something that, you know, sometimes people struggle with. You can't just, you know, get in that tunnel vision and just be watching the dog. You have to really watch the damn person at that point in time. You've got to be patient enough, you've got to realise different skill levels. Some people ain't as fit as they need to fucking be. I mean, and, you know, it's not the time there to say, hey, you're not fit enough. You know, if, if they're coming to you for help, they're, they're already started, right? 
so I would say a lot of patience. Uh, you've got to be super aware of their bodies, though, because it, it only takes for them getting bitten in the face once, and that's it. You're not teaching people again, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and being, the other thing is sorting the dogs that are there. And so, like, at HRDs, um, typically we have ex- what I would consider experienced decoys. Um, experienced in a sense that they have caught a lot of sport dogs um, or they've worked a lot of police dogs within that area um, or the, like, the neighboring area. So as an instructor, one of the things that, like, Eric and I and Ray and whoever, Griff, we're constantly looking for is we're seeing dogs, if we see dogs that do sketchy shit, and the handler may not know or not tell us, um yeah, exactly right keeping decoy safe and you know that's one thing that i hammer into all of my new guys at the kennel is i was like always protect yourself um you're not nobody signed up to get bit in the hand to get bit in the neck to get bit in the face like don't like and i say it and i mean i said this so long ago we made a patch and a t-shirt out of it but don't put your hand anywhere you wouldn't put your dick and it everybody remembers that i that that i say that and it's one of those things and um i i'm really really wary of like safety of decoys and safety of dogs and a lot of times um with males particularly with male decoys that are younger um i have a problem well, not a problem but i have a lot of times those guys want to go full blast fucking smoke bombs and can curtains and fucking blowing shit up and everything else. And I'm like, and I kind of have to rein them in. I'm like, you do realize that not giving feedback is generally more challenging to some dogs than giving them a ton of feedback. Like if you choose to mark incorrectly on purpose, watch what happens. And all of a sudden I feel like they can kind of learn something right. Versus. And it's the same thing. Like I'm not a firearms instructor. Eric is, he'll tell you this, but women are so much easier to teach than men to shoot and every firearms instructor I know has said that it's because what do we as men in the United States grow up doing? We play cops and robbers and cowboys and Indians. And uh, we're probably going to get fucking, we're probably going to get fucking canceled for that. But we're good. We, we play games that involve firearms. And what's the first thing that we learn to do is that we mimic recoil. And <laughs> exactly. Eric's doing it. If you're like, we mimic recoil. And so when we give us a real gun, Right. So the first thing we do is we mimic recoil, which causes a huge problem. So um, in one respect, I would say that the Internet has has created a ton of really good decoys, but it's also created a ton of bullshit because I see a lot of guys that are new recreating shit they've seen. That has no basis in marking behavior at all. And I've seen guys that are really good fucking dog trainers outside of a suit. Right. So like if they're teaching detection, if they're teaching tracking, if they're teaching obedience, whatever, pet dogs are really, really good, but they're fucking atrocious in a suit. And I'm like, I know you understand how marker training works. Right. And they're like, yeah. And they explain it to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) I mean, so in that, that entire, like when I do, and Eloise, you've been through our decoy thing. So, you know, anyone that's listening to this has been through it, right? Like my decoy course is a lot like a trainer's course, right? We talk about opera conditioning, classical conditioning. We talk about negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and all these things and how we get the dogs to do it and how the decoy is the opera conditioning. And as the object of that, and people are kind of like, holy shit, this is a lot more involved than I thought. I just want to hear it here to fuck shit up and break break drywall. I'm like, eh, let's yeah. slow down. <laughs> like, let's chill the fuck out for a second. Like, let's just slow down. So um, that's been a like an eye-opening thing. And I mean, I think, Eloise, you've been 
all over the country working with us and working with other people and then instructing as well. And what are some of the common things that you see with newer decoys? Um, aside from just getting experience in dogs, it's one thing that we hear all the time is like, what book can I read? I'm like, you don't need to read a book. You need to get in front of dogs. Like, I, I mean, I, I understand you can read, but it, it's, this is a, this is a hard skill set. It's like welding. Like you, it, you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn it from watching YouTube and reading a fucking book. That's for sure. No. Yeah, you kind of nailed it when you said they come in all gung ho and they kind of they kind of look like like they're coming in for a fight. Whereas I've learned to see it kind of like a fucking chess game, right? It's small calculated movements sometimes can mean a whole lot more. I said than you doing all this stupid shit. Otherwise, the dogs just hang on for sheer fucking luck, right? They're like, oh, okay, yeah. It's, they're preyful animals, right? You're doing a complete disjustice for, for, for doing that. And there's time and a place for everything. But I see a lot of just what you're saying, the mimicking. Um, but I also see that there's a massive social media effect, isn't there, of people want to get there as quick as possible, right? And so they are just pawning themselves out to everybody. And sometimes they come under not so good mentors. And it's not, I'm not down in anybody or anything like that. But sometimes you're not ready for certain mentors. You're not ready to work with certain people because they might not be people that can really take you under their wing and help you, right? They're going to skip certain areas, and then you end up with a bunch of bad habits. Then you come to the HRD or something, and you fucking get bit in the hand or something like that, you know, because you look really, really good, but those little tiny unique things that make you safe, that make you understand the dog, that make sure that there's progress there and you can relate to what's going on. You're not just kind of following a routine of things. So sometimes those things get skipped. Um, so it's really uh, very, very important to, you know, have somebody over you that kind of says, hey, let's slow down a little bit, you know, and let's, let's work these dogs. Let's work these problem fucking dogs. That's a huge issue, right? That's where you learn. My, uh... A lot of these people are seasoned dogs all the time, and they just they don't learn, and they get somewhere, and then they're fucking they're fucked. One of my uh, decoys, Josh, who has been with me for, fuck, I don't know, six years, a long time, uh, for the first two and a half years he was with me, he only worked our dogs. So all of our green dogs, all of our finished dogs and all of our dogs in training group. And when I had the PSA club going, it was just the PSA dogs. Right. So, um, he was taught how to develop grip, how to develop targeting, how to maintain all those things. And he didn't know any different, right. He's 22 years old at the time. So I, I distinctly remember the first time I took him to a seminar and, uh, I warned him beforehand. I said, look, um, you need the to street be... tactics. Yeah. 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 You remember Josh, right? We, yeah. We fucking killed that kid. <laughs> that poor bastard. No. Nah, and you know what? Oh, he, he, he's, <laughs> yeah. And I warned him ahead of time. I said, look, I don't know. I mean, there's fucking 80 dogs here. I was like, I don't know any of them. Like there's 80 and I don't know 81 of them. So I don't know what they're going to do. Like, so you're going to, he's like, oh, I got it. So we worked like the first three and he came out to us and he's like, am I doing something wrong? I'm like, no, why? What's going on? And he was like, well, I would do this and the dog didn't respond or I did this and this happened. I'm like, okay, that's all shit that you need to be telling me and Eric and the handler. But also when I told you these dogs are going to do things that are unpredictable, this is what I mean. And he was like, and there were some dogs there that were fucking bangers. Um, there were also some there that were very young and needed some work. And there were some there that you could tell that worked with inexperienced decoys that like Josh would mark correctly. And the dogs are like, Oh, holy shit. What the fuck? And all of a sudden, the dogs and a few reps would get super strong. So um, the best advice I always give to decoys, like if you want to get to get good, is 
travel. Like, go and work with as many, 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 many people as you can, as many trainers as you can, as many dogs as you can get in front of. Uh, because you will see some things that you're like, I never want to do that again. And you'll see some things you're like, how did you do that? Because <laughs> I got to learn how to make the dogs do this. So, Eloise, do you think there's value to a police dog, um, either green or experienced, to working with an awkward, inexperienced decoy? Um, honestly, when it comes to a green dog, I mean, they need to have a solid foundation, right, first and foremost. So when they are working with an inexperienced decoy who isn't setting them up for success, I mean, you're going to have those problems later on, right? Um, you need to have some sort of uh, mechanics. The dog has to learn how to fight first, right? If they're really, truly green. They don't even know how to throw a punch yet. So when you throw somebody in there that doesn't qualify that punch, because we're not really getting bitten are we now if it's an experienced decoy and they're outside of a suit i'd say fuck yeah because fucking dogs gonna love it aren't they? Sure. they're gonna have a great time with it uh but we we don't sometimes respond that way because we're still new to it too and and if you you get the dog all confused in that moment there in the foundations you just you they're gonna suck aren't they they're, they're not gonna understand what it is that they're supposed to be doing because it's not natural what they're doing ain't natural um we're teaching them something that, that you know serves our purpose um so I think it's really kind of, it's, you've got to be really careful, of course, when you have inexperienced equals in there. You've got to know where the dog's at and what the dog can take, right? So what the dog can, you know, and if it's somebody you can advise and you can instruct through it, then by all means, but are you going to make progress that way? And so you think about the dog first, decoy comes second, always. Their progress comes second. There's plenty of dogs to work on. That dog needs to get to where he needs to get because it's somebody's life on the line at the end of the day, isn't it? What did you see when you started working with the police dogs? What was something that surprised you negatively and something that surprised you uh, on the good side? Surprised me negatively. Um, I'd say I was, I was a little bit more surprised that there was a, a vast amount of dogs that just weren't prepared. And I won't say that they're shit dogs because they're not shit dogs. Uh, not necessarily. It's not always that way, but they weren't prepared for what they were coming into. And it was like the dogs didn't want to engage. That's a big, big problem, right? Um, what really has really surprised me is how... When I started, like I said, I got here eight years ago and to where I'm at now, the progress that I'm seeing in small town departments and the, the information gathering, how people are sharing information. Like, there are so many more people that are asking for things now that I didn't see even just eight years ago. So that's really surprised me in itself is just how far some of those little departments have come along and other people see it and they start getting into it because it's hard to get people to, to do that in, in law enforcement, right? Sometimes they want to stick in their own world. And it's I've seen a big change in that at least. Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, I think that's the one thing that Ted and I talk about when, we, when we're doing the, um, like, traveling around and doing the seminars and everything is, is don't be so closed off. There are some world-class high-level decoys in these people's backyards, and they won't bring them in because they're not working at the police department. It's the most ridiculous thing ever, and it's actually, and then I think, Ted, isn't it kind of like a part of a whole slide in your presentation? 
Oh yeah, it's an entire slide. Well, in the HRD presentation, there's an entire slide where I talk about how a decoy will make or break your program. And then I talk about an Eloise, you can talk to this, like after three days of good decoying, pretty much every dog that goes through HRD improves to some extent, um, without a doubt. And, you know, that's kind of the one thing that, um, one thing I get asked a lot is, um, especially for people that are like want to be decoys or like are evaluating decoys, they say, you know, if there's two things that we can check um, to see if a decoy, if a decoy is going to be good for a police program, um, what are the two exercises that you do? And, you know, if you, I'm not going to mention somebody, but if you mention some other people, they're like, oh, I want to see a long catch at Mach 10 and whatever else. I'll tell you this right now, in my handler schools, we do like two long bites. And I'm talking to four to six week school. The rest of them are all long line or all super controlled passive bites in dirty, dark, dank, sketchy ass places. Right. So um, the two exercises that I talk about the most with people are the ground fighting exercise where the decoy has to decoy as well as fucking grapple with somebody. And then a super extended bite, like six, eight, 10 minute long bite. Um, Eric, you and I, for like every time we instructed these things, we're doing like long bites. You have decoys down the hallway, fucking screaming their head off. Right. And I'm like, bro, you've been going for 45 seconds. You've got like seven minutes left. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're going to get fucking gassed. And this is dog number three of 35. Like you need to chill the fuck out. And so kind of the ability to work a dog and maintain a high level of pressure or consistency over a long amount of time super important and then understanding how to mark behaviors is why i always do the uh the ground fighting one because the super thin hidden equipment they have to trust the dog they have to trust the handler like there's all kinds of shit that can go wrong in that thing and normally if they work through those pretty well they're either really really green and don't know any better or they know what the fuck they're doing and they're like yeah okay because i mean when we do the ground fighting one i tell people i'm like dogs that are not stable on a grip cannot do this exercise because they will 100% pop off and bite my decoy who doesn't have equipment or they'll bite the handler or something. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, the ground fighting one is, is we definitely have to be very specific. Um, so Eloise, we're going to, we're going to shift over to the training side. Um, I, I've said this all along. I've said it numerous. Well, I said all along. I was, um, kind of an anti, uh, pet dog guy, but then, when I started doing it, I realized actually this makes me way better. Like I'm a better police dog trainer because of, uh, of, uh, pet dogs. I talk about it, all my conferences, all my seminars. I'm like, you guys aren't, uh, you're missing the boat here. Uh, because you know, pet dogs, most of them will now half of them work for food and none of them will work for a toy. Like they might play for a toy, but they're not going to work for it. So pressure and understanding pressure is the only thing that works for a lot of the dogs. And you have to be better at pressure, and then that helps. Pet dogs, so I have a few guys that were full-time police officers that just kind of got sick of the job, and they quit and came to work for me full-time, which stresses me out, right? These are guys that had, you know, job with a guaranteed paycheck and um, uh, benefits and all that other shit, and, but they were miserable, absolutely miserable taking the leap to go off to do dogs talk about what dogs has afforded you or changes you've made in your life based off of dog training wow uh gosh almighty it's uh, 
probably changed my entire life, honestly. But you think with the fire department, I was working. We got a stupid, stupid uh, uh, schedule there. It was one day on, 24 hours, 24 hour shifts, of course. Uh, one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off, one day on, and then three days off. Um, which means I don't fucking know what day of the week it is ever. And I'm still at that point where I don't know what day of the week it is ever. Um, but when dogs came along and, and I started getting into dog training and I started going to several different seminars, I started going to training courses. Um, I started to actually take a leap into that, that way of life there. It afforded me much more happiness. I say that really, really lightly because fire department, all my buddies there and stuff, it's been a whirlwind and I've loved it. But there are so many downfalls. There are so many hard times that you see there that will never get better. That will never, no amount of good that you do in that area will ever overcome some of that stuff. In dog training, you're just looking at a dog and it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's completely different when it comes to pet dogs, especially. Um, and don't get me wrong, I take a lot of behavioral cases now. Um, I enjoy the reward side of it. Maybe I'll get burnt out one day, maybe not. Um, but you can make a lot of changes where I couldn't there before. So it's afforded me a lot of happiness. And nowadays, with my business, who which I run everything myself right now, I've had some employees, but I, yeah, I'm not a very trusting person, of course, and I've been burnt a time or two in other areas of life. So uh, I try to handle everything myself, and I've kind of minimized things now. Um, and I'm actually working overseas in, in Barbados. I have a, have a pretty, pretty decent uh, opportunity out there. I have protection dogs out there that I train. I've got a few other clients uh, that have pet dogs that I've imported over, and I'm still going back and forth and working with them. So it's, it, like I said, now I'm traveling all of the fucking time, and it has been exhausting, but I have seen parts of the world that I never thought that I would ever, ever see, ever see. Uh, I never thought somebody would call me up one day and say, hey, I need you to bring six protection dogs over and train my guys. And when I get there, uh, which the dogs, uh, I won't even go there, right? Uh, what happened with that case, right? You hear about protection dogs and people selling things that aren't, aren't shit to people that, that they think don't know any better. Um, and when I got there, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And here I am handed with these pets pretty much. And I'm like, I can't fucking do anything for you, but I'll make the most out of a turd. Right? Right. I'll make that turd shine for sure. Um, used to kind of working with problem dogs and the police side of things has really helped me with that, honestly. So we just made them as best as we could. Uh, got some of them from different homes and stuff, and they liked what I did so much that they said, "All right, we'll do this for real this time. We'll we'll bring in some proper dogs, and want you to keep coming back." So I'm pretty much gonna probably have a deal there in Barbados now, probably the next 10 years at least. Um, and what I'm working on now, a rolling in and out training program, uh, that might be something that, that stands a little longer than that. Um, so it's afforded me a lot. So I'm very, very thankful for where dogs has gotten me. Uh, not so bad for somebody who never had a fucking dog growing up, eh? A Siamese fucking cat and chipmunks. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> how much since you started going to Barbados, how much sunscreen have you gone through? Because you are damn near see-through. <sighs> Fucking hell, man. <laughs> Ugh. It's killing me. If it's not sunscreen, it's fucking insect repellent because they just fucking love the taste of this British meat, man. <laughs> <laughs> they eat me alive over there. <laughs> These little fucking sand bug things. Not even mosquitoes, right? Yeah. Fucking skeeters. I say skeeters. Oh, my God, I sound like a redneck. <laughs> no no offense to any rednecks out there, but I'm starting to sound like one. 
those mosquitoes over there are nothing to these little sandbug things. They fucking get in everywhere. So I'm like walking around like I've got a fucking rash in my fucking ass or something. It's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's nightmare. So one of the important things, uh, and we're going to close it up here in a, in a minute, and I'm just going to look at the camera when I talk here, is guys, if you're in law enforcement, firefighter, whatever, and you're miserable, like miserable, and you've six, seven years there, eight years, nine years, you're not vested, you're not like deep into it. Why, why be miserable? Like, why? You Do something else, whether it's dogs or something else. You know, we just, by the time we, um, uh, ha, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, see this, I believe, um, the episode before will be for the street cop. Uh, right. Is that, that is before this one, Ted? I think so. I think that's yeah. the way we're airing it. Yeah. Dennis Benino. So he said that, you know, we talked about people leaving, uh, law enforcement to come work for me and he's like, even though it's a guaranteed paycheck, like that security is what the, what the people want. It's actually not real money. Like it's not great. Um, some of you are doing okay. Some of you, you know, in law enforcement now, the money is kind of caught up for some of you. Um, I have a, a, a sales manager that works for me that now makes more than I ever did at the police department ever. Um, real money she's making. Um, and she's like, what, like 30? Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Age wise. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I talked about this the other day. The first, first shooting I got into was in 1999 and I was making probably $16 an hour when I killed that dude. Then four or five months later, I got into a whole or a shootout with his nephew or with his, that same guy's cousin who was throwing rounds down ranges. And I was still making 16 fucking dollars an hour. Um, it's not real money. I don't care if you're at $34 an hour. That's not real money. So if you're happy with that, great. But if you're miserable, do something about it. The opportunities are out there. I mean, like Eloise was, could have stayed at the fire department for 30 years and been died five years after because of the way the schedule works and what it, the toll it takes on your body and all the shit these guys breathe in on these calls that they have and everything. Um, I, I'm, I got to tell you, Eloise, I'm super happy for you and super proud of you. Um, and I, I don't think this Barbados gig could go to anybody better. Well, uh, <laughs> with saying that, I said it's, uh, I'm definitely just thankful. I said it's, it's an opportunity, and that's, you just said it right there. You've got to take those opportunities. Kind of like steering a car when you swerve. you just got to pick a point and just keep your eyes on it and, and don't let off the gas. So uh, You can't break. Otherwise, you, you go in a direction you don't know where you're going. But there's so many opportunities out there. It really is. You just have to want to take that leap, don't you? Yeah, it's scary. I get it, man. For for guys, it's, really it's scary, scary. Yeah. especially guys that have you know families and things like that. Um, but I can tell you, so one of the, I had four guys quit uh, law enforcement to work for me. One uh, is in the military now, so he's actually out altogether. The other three couldn't be happier, um, and the one is like. It's not my age, but he's in his 40s and uh, great, great, amazing dude. He could have stayed. He just, just hated it. He got miserable. And in the place he's working at, got, it's got way left and, and going after cops and everything. He's like, I just don't want to do it. 
So he uh, he now owns a, uh, a Ridside Canine location, and he's doing amazing. That's a scary leap, and it's a scary sell to your spouse or to your kids and your significant other. I get it, man, but you can't be miserable. You can't do it. Um, and a lot of you listening to this, I'm talking to you, and you know I'm talking to you. So, um, but anyways, uh, Eloise, what's, uh, like, when are you heading back, what's the future look like here? Oh, Marty, well, right now, my, my fucking dad's over here, right? Eight years is the first time he fucking comes here. As I just got back from Las Vegas, then I took him, where the fuck did I take I took him to Charlotte, of all places, right? It was fun to show I like what the city centers look like. Well, what they look like at night, right? Mm -hmm. How things can get a bit sketchy and stuff. He's like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> uh, and now we're actually in North Carolina at the beach. I'm going to try and see Howard on my way back and stuff. Go and get my dad a bite in because he's nearly 60 and why not, right? Yeah. Uh, you at least need to know something about what I do for a living. Uh, so, uh, And then I go back to Barbados again on the 27th. Um, actually having an interesting thing that I'm doing over there right now. Uh, I'm taking a lot of very experienced trainers that are very humble, that have good characteristics, who are honest, people that I've watched and observed for a long period of time, and I'm going to utilize them overseas. So I've been looking at many different trainers, <laughs> could be people listening to this that I'm looking at currently, um, to help me rolling in and out, because realistically, I was asked to move there and I can't move to a tiny little island. There's too much challenge here, and I have to go, go, go. Um, and unfortunately, little small islands, they don't go, go, go. Otherwise, I'd have stayed in England. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to get those trainers rolling in and out so that there is actually a full-time trainer there at any one given time. So I'm not having to do all the lead work over the phone and this and that. Um, very, very powerful to have somebody over there all of the time. That way, nothing you know gets fucked up or anything. Um, so that would be, be really interesting. It would be really unique if I, can get, if I can get a good solid 12 trainers on board and they pick three weeks a year. They basically go and have a vacation in Barbados, right? They get to use their skill sets, uh, get to do something a little bit different, kind of almost get a paid break away from pet dogs, from all the hardships of behavioral training. And it's kind of a, they have a working relaxation kind of thing. Things that, that make you burn out, right? Get away from that a little bit. Uh, it's a good thing to share that. Uh, I can't do it all myself. I can't. You know? yeah, I'm glad you're able to give back. And it does. It it will, you know, ease it up on you um, pretty good. Ted, what about you? What do you got coming up? Uh, uh, more handler schools. Before we started... Um... Before we started recording, I was telling Louise that uh, you and I are going to be in hits in August. Uh, where um, multiple people on Instagram have sent me that they do have a wave pool that you can surf in in the nice. desert. So, yeah, that's that. Well, that's where that that's happening. <laughs> that's <where> <laughs> that, that's one hundred percent happening. Uh, it's going to be in Scottsdale, so we're doing that. And then after that, that weekend, so hits ends on like a Thursday or something. Um, Friday, I have to be in Gilroy, California to decoy at a uh, PSA trial. Uh, and then that ends Sunday and then s Monday morning, I am in San Jose with San Jose PD, uh, for HRD. Um, and then I'm back here and then we've got two more, three more HR, two more, two or three more HRDs before the end of the year. Um, so and then I've got three handler schools before the end of the year. So a bunch of green dogs and I've got, uh, a couple more e-collar courses. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> 
we started a new 501 so there's that uh so yeah we're <laughs> i i'm trying to kill myself by working so <laughs> yeah yeah it happens um yeah i got uh what do i got hits hits is so i got a in North Carolina, I got a e-collar seminar. Then I got uh, hits. Hits is going to be fun. Um, yep. Ted and I are each teaching a class there, and uh, he's doing the scenario-based training, and I'm doing my uh, e-collar without conflict. We did the same split in Pittsburgh, and it worked out really well. Uh, yep. We had good attendance for both classes, and that way then Ted can teach and I can get pictures and videos so um, we don't get screamed at about lack of social media content. <laughs> and uh which is which is a real thing i do let me tell you i'm all over my employees about um getting content and getting pictures and especially at go homes with pet dogs getting you know pictures and videos of the dogs and the owners doing things <laughs> i did a go home turnover last friday forgot no graduation picture fucking didn't do any of it i'm the worst the fucking worst uh with it um and then the next morning, I met with the lady to do a, a walk uh, at a park that she likes to go into in the morning that's like a gauntlet for this reactive dog. So I said, yeah, we'll meet again in the morning. I'll get some pictures. Fucking forgot. Didn't get any. Nothing. <laughs> I saw. So, well, anyways, Eloise, I'm so glad uh, you came on. And again, you mean a lot to us. Um, I try to send people. Now I never know when you're in the country, but. You know, I've sent a lot of people in, in that area in, in Tennessee. Go see Eloise. Um, she'll, she'll help you with your dog and, and get That's you guys it. on the right path. And you've never let me down ever, not one time ever. So um, that means a lot to me. And, and I know Ted feels the same way. And we're really glad you could come on. Uh, means, a, means a lot to me, too. Like I said it's been a, been a long time running. So we've us guys and... Uh... Hopefully, I get to bump into you guys here soon. Maybe in uh, North Carolina, I'll see you there, uh, Eric. That's a possibility right there. Oh, okay, sweet. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully I can. If not, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's a, it's, I would never have dreamed that you would have asked me to come on your podcast and that people would want to listen to me. If it's not for my accent, anyway. <laughs> right. That is part of it. No. But, uh, but uh, yeah. All right. Anyways, thanks, guys, and we'll see you on the next one. Excellent. All right. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio has graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E. .blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.